Good morning. I'll be reading the Bible. It's from the more recent NIV version. If you have an older NIV, it still works perfectly well. God's word never fails. From Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the generations. And now from James, chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Here ends the reading. Good morning. For those who don't know me, my name's Dave, and I'm one of the brothers here. Really appreciate the opportunity to not only preach today, but also the opportunity that uh, our pastors give so many of us. Not only give us, but encourage us to get involved in ministry of so many various kinds. Let's just pray together. Father, thanks for the encouragement that we've received in so many levels already today. You're a rich God and you, you feed us and you sustain us. You meet us in ways that we couldn't even imagine. And we bless you today for Jesus and thank you for sending him and for the way that he came so far to meet us. And thank you, God, for your spirit that lives in us. And Father, we're all on this path, different stages, each one of us, but God, we need you more and more. Refine our hearts as we meet together today and just show us your way forwards, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I grew up in a Christian family and in a church where actually very early on started to develop an expectation that prayer is powerful and prayer is effective and prayer can change lives. And one of the ways that happened, I mean, when you read through the Bible, I guess we would see it there. We got an expectation that God is going to change lives. You'd hear about people praying in other parts of the world, whole nations, movements of prayer and God bringing revival of faith, people turning to Jesus. And just the sense of the amazing things, the powerful, life-changing things, world-changing things that God can do when a whole lot of people catch a hunger for God and press in Him and find out that their prayers can be powerful and effective in the world around them. But one of the stories that I read very early on was a story of a guy called George Muller. And some of you might have heard of him, some of you might know well. He was a, a German pastor who moved to England And as well as pastoring, as well as living that faith community, he actually set about doing what God put on his heart, and that was to to help orphans who weren't looked after in that time. 
in England. And he actually set about to start looking after some of these orphans and took in a few of them at a time, renting a place and providing their needs, as well as being a pastor. But the whole thing about his life, for those that have read the story and know about him, is that he decided that when the needs would come up, when he'd need money for something, he would only ask God. And he wouldn't ask anyone else, and not only that, he wouldn't even tell anyone else that he had that need. And so as time went on, he would have more and more orphans come, and he realised he had to build a place. He had to buy a property and actually build an orphanage. And the cost just used to escalate and escalate, and still he would just go into his prayer closet and only tell God and strictly stay with the rule that I'm not going to tell anyone, I'm not not even going to ask anyone else to help. And throughout his life, it just grew and grew and grew so that he came to a point where there were several properties that had been purpose-built as orphanages. So much money had come in and he was looking after around 2,000 orphans at one time. By the end of his life, he'd actually looked after 10,000 orphans as well as the orphanages went on after his life. And when I read that story, I said to myself, I want to prove God that way in my life. I want to learn to pray. I'm going to find out how faithful God can be in that way. The passion to learn to pray effectively and with power. Well, it's now more than 35 years later. I know you didn't know I was that old. Um, (laughs) I reflect on my life and I think, well, we've certainly seen God do amazing things through prayer and providing needs, but I have to admit that even though I haven't quite proved God in the way George Mueller has, I also feel like my passion to have effective prayer like that has gone off the boil. I don't actually press in and say, wow, I'm going to seek God in that way, like I used to when I was younger. Go down the track a few years in my life, Terry and I started having kids, and we started also around that time believing that God could heal. We started realising that actually God wants us to heal as a demonstration of his love and his power, and really we can just reach out and believe for that. And as we started doing that, our kids were learning that as well. And one of the stories we love telling in our family, it's one of the ones we remember, so many things about when you have kids you just forget, don't you? One of the ones we remember is... Terry was lying down one time because she'd had this sore knee for a few weeks and it was quite inflamed and she couldn't really do much with it. And little Lewis, some of you know our our boy Lewis, well, he was about three and he came along and he wanted mummy to play with him. And she just had to say, look, sorry, darling, I'm just, uh, I've got to lie here. Mummy's got a sore knee today. And Lewis walked over, put his little three-year-old hands on mummy's knee and said, mummy's knee, much better. Amen. And it was. Instantly, completely, and six months later, she still hadn't had any more pain in that knee. And, you know, with the simple faith of a child, it wasn't healing cancer, it wasn't raising someone from the dead, but just what God did there and the the simple faith of a child, we got the sense that the power of God has broken into our world. Times like that when you'd sort of say, wow, God, I never want to lose this. I never want to move away from this. In fact, I want, to, I want to experience more of this. There's some key here that you're providing for us. Throughout my life, would you take me in to experience all that you have for us in prayer? But it's still amazing that how over time life gets busy. It gets harder to find times to pray. 
We get distracted. Life's complex, isn't it? We've got so many things that we're interested in and we can do and that are fun and whatever, but some of them crowd in so that I'm actually not passionately seeking after God so much anymore. And then life can get discouraging and disillusioning, can't it? And we've been through our times of that, as, as most of us do. And we need healing and, and God to bring that back. But our, our passion to be effective in prayer sometimes suffers and, and just goes back off the boil. This could be one of the greatest paradoxes, I think, in the Christian life. Prayer is the most central part of our faith. It's where we connect with God. It's where God can bring in what he wants, not only in our lives and in our families and amongst our friends, but in our wider world. And yet it's an area that most Christians struggle with. We find it's hard, and it's like a paradox for us, I think. But when we read scripture, and including the passage this morning in James, we see very clearly that God's heart for us is that we never stop pursuing a life of effective prayer. We never stop pursuing a life where we're allowing him to come in and to shape us and in our world along the way. Now, God's doing some significant things in people's lives at PBC. I took the liberty this week to actually send a survey to some of us across our three congregations. And I was just interested to know how we're going. And the first question we asked was, how effective would you say your prayer life is most of the time to bring God-oriented change in your own life or in the lives of others? And you had five different options. You could say from one to five or from none at all up to a great deal. And you notice there the result in this one. It's spread out. And it's spread out between, yeah, I get a little or I get a moderate amount or I get a lot. There's a lot of effectiveness. Does that surprise anyone? We've got a variation, haven't we? It's great, isn't it, that there are some people here who feel, and that's no surprise to you, by the way, I'm sure, feel that there's a lot of effectiveness in their time of prayer. But then others are also at a place at the moment where you'd say there's just a little. Well, that's how it is. It's encouraging to know that there's levels of effectiveness. But doesn't it also make you think, you know, how can we move forwards? How can God take us forwards in this? And as we come to this passage in James, I guess you could say in this passage in chapter 5, it's the, the context is healing, but really he's talking about prayer being effective, prayer breaking through and making a difference. And we could ask James, well, what makes prayer effective? And the first thing we see there is the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Okay, so that's it. We have to learn to pray in faith. But then we come to the next verse and he actually says, some of you have sins in your life and God's going to put his finger on that sin. And then the prayer of a righteous person, the prayer of someone who is right with God, that's the prayer that's powerful and effective. I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll make up your mind, James, but okay, we can hold those together. And then you come to the next verse and he says, Elijah was a man like us and he prayed earnestly. And when he prayed earnestly... That was the key. We could come to this chapter and say, well, give us the simple answer. Can you show us how to get from here to here? How to get from a place where I get some breakthrough, but not a lot, to this point where, wow, God is doing amazing stuff in my prayer life. What's the answer? And James doesn't give us a simple answer. And this is what it's like, isn't it, with our walk with God generally. There are principles that we have to learn along the way. But it also takes change in our own hearts as we go it takes a wrestling with God it takes God coming into our situation and when we come down to that last one faith every one of them is an invitation now wherever you would say you are in that survey 
how effective my prayer is. You can look at those three principles and every one of them is an invitation. James is saying if you offer prayer in faith, then it's going to work. God's going to break through. If you are in the right place with God, God will honour where you are and he'll honour your prayer and you'll break through. But if you pray earnestly, he's going to break through. It's an invitation to every one of us, but also it's a, it's a place where God's going to wrestle with each one of us. The journey of faith, James says in chapter 1, when you pray in faith, you've got to not waver and not doubt. Otherwise, you'll be like a wave of the sea and no one like that will receive anything from the Lord. Okay, so that's a bit of a high stand. That's going to take some churning in my own life to know how to pray in faith. Being right with God. Sometimes we pray and God will bring conviction of sin. And there's the churning there where we have to deal with that. But God will come and meet us in that place. But I actually wonder whether James is coming around to saying, the real key here I want to say today is praying earnestly. Think about Elijah. Elijah was a human being just like us, he says. He went to Ahab. And King Ahab, and you can read about it in First Kings in the Old Testament, but he was a prickly character, to say the least. He was a dangerous king. He's someone that you don't want to go and say bad news to this guy. And here's Elijah, and I think he must have gone in fear and trembling, but it says he went to Ahab and he says, Listen, Ahab, there's going to be judgment on the land of Israel because I have prayed and there's not going to be rain for several years. There's not going to be rain until I say so. And then it seems by the passage that that he took off out of there and Ahab couldn't find him. He looked everywhere for him for years. And then he comes back three and a half years later and there's been absolutely no rain. There is drought, the people are suffering and God is bringing his message to them to turn back to him and they're not listening. And then he does the amazing competition, I guess, with the the 450 plus prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. And then he gets down on the ground, he says, and his knees are on the ground and he gets his head between his knees and he's crying out to God to bring the rain. And he sends his servant and says, go and see, is there any sign of cloud? And he comes back and says, there's nothing. He prays again. The servant goes and says, there's still nothing. And it happens seven times. And the servant comes back and says, there's the tiniest little cloud forming out there. And Elijah says, quick, get up and run because we've got to beat the rain before it comes. He prayed earnestly. Now, James says, you know, Elijah's a man just like us. And I'm thinking, No. If he came here, you know, he wouldn't fit under that door on the way in kind of thing. But then when you think about it, you realise that's not true. He actually is a man just like us. If he came along here today, apart from the robes he'd be wearing and the long beard and and the smell, you know, whatever. I don't know. He, He lived a crazy life. You would actually think he's just an ordinary bloke. You know, Ahab didn't see any different about him. But James says he was just like us and the reason why we think he was so great is because he prayed earnestly and he got through to this place where God heard and acted. There are other principles of prayer as well as we come through the teaching of Jesus. Jesus talked about secret prayer and public reward, praying in unity with others, praying with perseverance, which is sort of similar to earnestly, praying in God's will, John talks about. But I just wonder whether the key here is praying earnestly because it's about motivation. It's about how much do I want my life to change so that I can break through into more effective prayer. And this is like the first one we have to answer, I think. We asked in the survey, what's the one thing, if anything, 
that most makes it difficult for you to maintain an effective prayer life. And these were the, the four biggest answers in order. Busyness, I'm busy and the, the pressure of time. Distraction from other interests. Lack of discipline or ability to sit there and pray. And then lastly, some said discouragement and wondering if it really makes a difference. Now, if that last one is you, I can understand that. We get through to times of discouragement and we need a special revelation again from God and healing and encouragement. But if it's the first three, which I think it is for most of us, and I would say for me it certainly tends to be those three, lack of discipline, distraction, then this is what we're talking about here, that God can actually break us through those things, but it's a matter of how earnest are we. It's a matter of how much do I want this in God. That's the key one down the bottom there. A couple of weeks ago, you might have seen a video testimony which Ginny gave a testimony about what God had been doing in her life. And remember at one point she said that she developed a discipline to meet with God every day, but then, and I quote, it says, it grew from being a discipline and a priority to a desire. And it's had a snowball effect that feels like I can't get enough. Remember her saying that? The thing is, when you decide to break through the busyness or break through the sense of distraction and say, I'm going to carve out this space and find God, there's one thing we don't expect that tends to happen, and I've found, and that is that God starts to change the attitude in our heart. The things that you once desired have gone off the boil, and you're actually more enjoying what God's doing in your spirit with meeting him first happened to me early in our marriage, we were seeking God in a new way. And I remember saying, you know, I want to get in that place where there's more of God happening in my life. And I decided I'm going to have to, to do this, I'm going to have to limit, and it was movies back then for me, I'm going to have to limit watching movies to one movie a week and one news bulletin per day. And so I did that. But the other thing I did was I set apart a time where I'm going to seek God. I think I got up earlier because it works for me. I'm a morning person, so it works for me that way. And when I got up to read the scriptures and to pray regularly day by day, I didn't expect this, but after only a few days, God started changing the passions of my heart. I started realizing that God is doing speaking somewhere deeper than what I can ever get out of entertainment what I can ever get out of the things that this world has. You know? And it shouldn't be a surprise for us, should it? That God has put eternity in our hearts. And it's a cry that we're, we're looking for to be fulfilled, even as believers. And we can get distracted from that and get so taken up with all the smorgasbord that's around us. But God will change. And by the end of the first week, I came to the point where I think, right, what movie am I? I better watch a movie. But it was about that. It was like, I better watch a movie. I didn't really even want to watch a movie. I think I probably did the first week, but it's like things start to change. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but uh, wrong with watching movies and being entertained, but let's see, where does it leave us spiritually? Does it take away all the passion that we have maybe for God? When it comes to prayer, we need practical help. We need some ideas and answers. But before that, surely we need to ask this heart question, and that is how much... Am I passionate? How much do I want to really press in and do whatever it takes to get to the point where God's going to touch my life? It may be that you need prayer. It may be that someone needs to pray for you as well to help you break through that. And uh, we can do that. We can do that. I've had it and I've needed it at times. And we all do. So Jesus said, when they came to him and said, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. And it's been said that maybe they meant not... Lord, teach us how to pray, but Lord, teach us to pray. And, and we've seen you pray. 
We've, uh, we've heard you. We've, uh, we've seen you've gone, you've disappeared, and you're out on the mountain somewhere again, and you're spending hours. Would you teach us what you're doing? And then Jesus said, okay, you want to pray? Here's how to do it. This is how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father Prayer if you've got a Catholic background. But Jesus, is that really it? Is this really the answer? Because I don't think there's any biblical evidence that Jesus actually prayed that way himself. I think his prayers went on way too long. So maybe we look at the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father Prayer, as like a pattern for prayer. And you can do this. You can to start off with worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your and spend some moments and some minutes, if you like, praying into that. May your name be seen for what it's worth. May people worship you in the way that you deserve. And then go on to say, your kingdom come. We start bringing to him all the things that are on our hearts around us, in our own lives and the lives of our world. Would you change? Would you bring your kingdom here? Would you make it happen and spend some time praying for things? And so it can be a pattern for prayer. Then you come down to personal stuff later. Lord, change my heart. Forgive me my sin like I'm forgiving. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've got to forgive that person. Would you help me to do that? could be a pattern for prayer. And so... We come to just a suggestion, and this is something that works for me. I tend to be an open-ended personality. I don't really like structure, and what I've found through life is it's really good for me to have some structure. I can do the, the spontaneous stuff just without thinking, but it actually makes things work much better if I bring some structure to that. And here's a suggestion. It can break into spontaneous whenever I like, and God can turn up whenever he likes and do his stuff. But if I have a structure, at least I don't go crazy. All right. So the first one is the word from Psalms. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. And into his courts with praise. That's what I keep going back to that song. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And this is what I would suggest first up is start with worship and then thanksgiving. And I think this is probably the closest you get in the Bible to a formula of how to pray. And it doesn't go very far, but just starts by saying, start with worship. Start with praise in the general case. It's something that lifts us straight away into seeing things from God's perspective, to affirm who God is. It actually saying, God, you are God in this world. I'm going to start there. And then I'm going to know how to pray anyway. I'm going to know what else to ask and how to ask it. And then thanksgiving. And then we can move on from there to my stuff and other stuff, if you like. Now, some would say, well, shouldn't we? It would be nice but we should actually pray for others before we pray for self, shouldn't we? But I don't think so. I think when it's your private prayer, God wants us to come real as we are. We need to start with our own stuff, I think. And then once he's actually touched our lives in that way, move on to somewhere else. And this could be the verse that let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, to find grace to help in our time of need. A welcome is there to come and do this. And so if you're starting out, I think this is a simple way to start. And what I tend to do is I have this in a file uh, on my computer and uh, it's in a table in one column and I have uh, that in the left-hand column and then I have a blank on the right column for me to fill in. Actually journal I find journaling is a practical thing too, and I'd recommend you trying that, at least for these four. And there's some more that I do afterwards as well. But if you want to start somewhere, this is a good place to start, I think. Now, 
out of the survey, which ones do you think people said were the hardest to do? I put worship and, and thank. I just put worship, my stuff, and other stuff. Worship was including thanks. Which one do you think was the hardest for people to do? People actually tended to say the hardest to do and to maintain was worship and was other stuff. You know, we feel our own stuff, don't we? But to come into the presence of God, you might, if you, if you start this, you've never done it before, and you come into God's presence, you say, I want to do, I've got 20 minutes, I'm going to pray for five minutes on each of those. <laughs> Maths isn't the thing for me, but yeah. That's why I'm late for some things, I've been praying for too long. But... But if you've never done this before and you come in and, and say, okay, I'm going to worship, it might go well for the first day because you might start with saying, what do I really love about God? Let's, let's write that down. Let's pray that. Next day, you're thinking, well, I did that yesterday. What else is there? You need to feed it. You need to prepare for some of these. Okay? You need to work out, how am I going to maintain this? And this is what I've found is if I need to be doing certain things to help them work. Um, you can use some. I ask for practical ideas that worked well as well in the survey and somebody said they used the Psalms and I've used the Psalms at times and they're really good as well. Use Bible readings. If you're reading the Bible regularly you're always going to come across something about who God is and what he's done and what he's like and it's natural then to go into worship. God I'm, I'm blessing you today. If you've been reading about Hagar and, and her son Ishmael have been thrown out of the tent of Sarah and she's going to die out in the, in the desert but God came and met her. God met the outcast. And he looked after her and he nurtured her and he said, I've got a plan for you. God, that's what your heart is like. Thank you, God, if you're typing or you can just pray it. Say, God, thank you that you have a heart for the outcast. And then it also points back onto me, of course. Ooh, I wonder if I do. I wonder if I'm growing to be like that. Bible readings are full of insight, books that we can be reading and teachings that we can be listening to and watching. Some of us love the names of God Make a file on your computer or somewhere in hard copy, the names of God. But not just the names, but where those names came in, in the Old Testament, New Testament, and the story that's behind it. Pull one of them out and say, God, wow, this story here, and start thanking him for that story, etc. One that I've done in times past is have a file. I'm racking up this file of things I love about God. Whatever works. Songs. We haven't mentioned songs. But I don't think songs is necessarily what we're on about here. It's about, you can use songs, but there's other formats as well. But we have to prepare for the way to worship. Then we come to thanks, and thanks really is, is just lifting up God for all the good things. And have you noticed how much this actually raises our spirits when we realise how much God has done? And then we come to my stuff, and these are the three things that I'm currently using. I have these as a prompt in the, in the bit where I'm going to type up. The first one is heart's cry. I just think, if I was God at least, I would like people to say, hey, come and tell me what's really going on for you. Today, God, this is what I'm really feeling. For me, that's a good way to start. And then it's the search my heart, God. Would you show me if there's anything in me that you want to change? And the areas that you're growing me in, the areas that you're uh, challenging me in, I'll bring that to you as well. And then there's other stuff. And this one to me is, and people tend to find this might be the hardest, I reckon make a weekly plan. Work out who you want to pray for. You know, you're probably the same as me. I want to pray for our missionaries, or some of them at least, that God's put on my heart. I want to pray for the pastors and for the, the operations of this church. I want to pray for my extended family. I've got four siblings, and they've all got kids. Terry's got three siblings, and they've all got kids. It's a lot of people. 
I can't do anything else in the day. I've got to pray all day. <laughs> so you need a plan. Otherwise, you end up not doing anything. That's what I found. You know? And then you, there's friends and uh, there's work colleagues and so on. So work out what, who you want to pray for on each day. This is just a suggestion. And then pray for our immediate family every day as well. You can have photos of them. And I actually am currently trialling for the first time ever a photo book, like a brag book. And I've got photos of my family. I've got photos of all the pastors. They're the ones that you guys have supplied. That's all right. Um, <laughs> I've got photos of the different missionaries that God's put on my heart. I've also got photos of issues that God's putting in my heart about Australia and the world. And one of them is that God actually does a new thing in our time in this nation. The census says that Australians now call themselves spiritual, but not religious. And I know people like that. There's some wonderful people I know who are like that. But one of them has actually said, you know, spiritual, right into meditation and yoga and a whole lot of other Eastern stuff, mysticism. But it's really about pick and choose, whichever bits of that that I, that I find helpful for me. But they've specifically said, but there isn't a personal God. God's not a person. And there's something just almost dies in my heart. I'm thinking, wow, God... Reveal yourself. And this is the nation we live in, people, isn't it? It's like, where is the hunger for God? Where is the, the knowledge of God so that people can come to eternal salvation and to find him? And there's other things that God can put on your heart, but we need to program it in, otherwise there'll be too much. Well, another thing I'm trying is with my extended family, like I said, there's so many of them, I don't need to be told who they are. I remember that I know who they are. But I've actually made up little knots in a rope. A little bit of a string. It's a little bit like a rosary, but it's not like a holy thing, right? It's just that it helps me because of my personality. And I just mention it because it might help someone else. It's, it's actually pretty boring sometimes sitting there. And some people in the survey said it's really hard just to sit there and to stay sitting there and praying. I actually go for a walk. On these days with my extended family, I'm, I'm trialling. I'm finding it works well. I've put a big knot, an end knot for the sibling and then... Uh, little simple half hitches for each of the kids and then I get right around actually the interesting thing was get right around to the end of the family and then I've tied it off and I call it my family circle and I take my family circle in my pocket I'm walking around and it just works for me I love being out walking I love the nature and whatever but I've got my finger on I'm up to praying for my sister and I'm not letting go yet because I've still got more to pray for her then I got to pray for my my nieces and my nephews and God and then I start getting words for them I'm thinking, whoa, this is cool. Better record this and so on to follow up later. There are different practical ways we can do that. And one thing that, incidentally, there's surprises that come. When I was tying that up, I thought, oh, well, I don't want to put us in. But I thought, no, hang on. I'm part of the family circle. I want to put us in. So I put us in as well. So I come around to, and God, that young Dave and Terry, just bless them, would you? Those three boys and it's just all the things. And I started the other day praying in the third person. It's totally different for yourself. I started getting words for myself and insights. And I'm thinking, I'd better write this down in order to deliver it. <laughs> and um, it's just the, just the things that come out of left field when you try different ways of doing this. Okay, so just some ideas. Praying with others, folks, is so important. Actually, my growing theory on this in my short life is that we need to be praying by ourselves, but we also need to be praying with others. And some of us do this regularly in our home groups. 
There is also the House of Prayer on Tuesday night. Particularly for this one, we do some worship. Dorothy leads this one. House of Prayer here every Tuesday night at 7.30. Worship and then praying for the missionaries, praying for various things that God has brought to pray through. Now, we learn things when we pray with other people. You learn off other people how they pray. You also realise they're like that and I'm not like that. I've been praying with people and realised that they actually could pray through a phone book if they want to, and I can't do that. So I've got to work out how is it going to work for me to pray for others. We learn praying for other people. I know a pastor in West Australia who, who said that I just find it so hard to pray. What I've done is I have talked to five other brothers in my church and I ring one of them each Monday to Friday we've agreed to spend this particular half hour praying because I just can't do it myself. I thought that was really great and honest and, and open for him to say that as, a, as quite a well-known pastor. And there are ways to do this and, um, and to make things work or to help things work. But start simple, I would say. But then there are a few others that I like to add. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. I have a section where I do Spirit-led prayer. And this could be you're just silent and you're waiting to see what God shows you and you decide to pray for those things. But for those of us who have, a, have the gift of tongues or prayer language, this is a really important time. God can actually... And, and stir it up. Don't, God's given it for you to build you up in your faith. And don't waste it. Just stir it up in that time. Stillness. Be still and know that I am God. I love this one where it's just the Psalm 46.10. The earth is in uproar. God, my life is in uproar. There is all these things going on, but I'm just going to be still now and trust that you are God in those areas. And then um, lastly is crafted prayer. I don't have a verse for this, so just call it recycle. But you know, sometimes when you journal, there's, I've just had the sense that, wow, that prayer was really powerful. I'm going to put that in a special folder because I might use that again. Folder of called Crafter Prayers. There are also prayers, famous prayers, like the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, which unfortunately wasn't written by St. Francis, but it's a beautiful prayer. Uh, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. You can pull that out. There's others like that as we go. So what I'd suggest is that we have this format or this routine, and it just reminds me, this is a sermon which is part of a series, folks. We're doing series on Beyond Routine. But what I want to say is, that if you do set up a routine of prayer, it won't be, won't be long before God will meet you there and he will take you beyond the routine. For a start, you will notice that prayers will start to be answered. Um, God will start to do things in your life so that when you're going through your day, you'll actually be more in touch with the things God's doing around you and you'll actually be ready to respond to them a little bit more. You'll see what God's doing and you'll be able to stretch out. You'll, you'll see someone who's, who's, uh, who needs healing and you can't get away from it. It's like Vic was saying. I was wrestling with this and I thought, well, I'm going to go for it. Or words to that effect. God actually changes our hearts. Sometimes he breaks in on your daily routine. You'll be up to number section three or something and you go, whoa. You get this burden for something and all you want to do is kneel and just pour out your heart for God. God might wake you in the night and there's this struggle that, oh, he wants me to go and to be with him. But, oh, gee, this is nice and warm bed. Uh, but when you, sometimes you, you go and do it, it can be such a rich time because that's when the spirit tends to want to move. There's so many different ways that God can meet you in that prayer time. I've found that I've woken myself up by sitting up and shouting something out and then listening to what I shouted and it was actually someone's name, someone I haven't seen for a long time. And I felt like, whoa, whoo, that's spooky. 
God wants me to pray for that person. And uh, all sorts of things that he can do. But God can direct your life into a new path. Terry and I went to England in 2002. My brother's wedding was over there. We had the privilege of travelling with my parents, just the four of us in a car, for a week after the wedding. We went round some nice places in England and up to Scotland and back again. Lightning tour. We stayed at, at B&Bs at night. And one particular night, we stayed in this B&B. Mum and Dad's bedroom was right beneath our bedroom. And it was one of those houses that you could hear things through the walls. Okay? And before your mind goes anywhere, it's basically when we got to the point where we were about to go to sleep, we actually heard their voices. And what we heard was my dad's voice. Couldn't hear a thing he was saying, but you knew it was him. And he was speaking in this monotone, 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 monotone for about a minute or a minute and a half. And then he stopped. And then my mum's voice. Monotone, 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 monotone for about a minute and a half. And then she stopped. This was not a conversation. I don't think mum's ever spoken for that long without being interrupted before. Okay. <laughs> There's only one thing that could have been. They were praying. Now, I knew they pray, but actually hearing it in that way brought home to me that they have this routine in their lives where every day I get prayed for, my wife gets prayed for, my siblings get prayed for, my nieces and nephews get prayed for. Now mum's in a nursing home and my dad goes there and one of the things he does every day is reading scripture and prayer together. And I have to humbly admit a lot of the blessing that God has poured out in my life and the life of my siblings and nephews and nieces and, and our kids. How much of it can be traced back to the faithful interceding prayer of these leaders in our family? Elijah was a human being just like us and he prayed earnestly. Who of us is going to be the Elijah in this season and in this generation, in this land? I just want to read a prayer, and this prayer is, is actually the prayer from uh, Augustine of Hippo, otherwise known as St. Augustine. As we read this prayer, just keep in mind, this guy died in the year 430. But let's just pray these words that are attributed to him. Look upon us, O Lord, and let all the darkness of our souls vanish before the beams of your brightness. Fill us with holy love. And open to us the treasures of your wisdom. All our desire is known to you. Therefore, perfect what you have begun. And perfect what your spirit has awakened us to ask in prayer. We seek your face. Turn your face to us. And show us your glory. Then shall our longing be satisfied. And our peace shall be perfect. Amen.